Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Caregiver Speak, sponsored by eCareDiary.com. I am Marjorie Pabst, your host. Please visit my website at MyCaregivingCoach.com for more caregiver resources. And also a reminder that the archive of our show today and caregiver resources in abundance will be on eCareDiary.com and also on my website. You'll find links to all of our radio shows on both websites and just a whole host of blogs and information for you, the caregiver. The purpose of Caregiver Speak is to provide you with updated information and ways to advocate for yourself and your care partners for long-term well-being. Today's show is no exception as I welcome back John Mills, the co-founder of eCareDiary.com. John has extensive experience with health insurance systems, and he's always incredibly helpful for our listeners. Over the past 18 months, or maybe it's almost going on two years now, John has has joined us uh, for periodic updates on the Affordable Care Act. His expertise in this area and up-to-date information helps all of us negotiate the healthcare system. Welcome back, John. Thank you, Marjorie. It's a pleasure to be here. Since our last conversation, I can't believe how time has rolled along. It was back in January. The Affordable Care Act has experienced quite a few bumps in many states, with a few successful rollouts in others. As we enter the new enrollment period that began uh, last week on October the 1st, give us your assessment of this first year. Well, um, I think everybody knows uh, that this was uh, quite a bumpy rollout, particularly at the beginning last year. So, um, you know, the healthcare.gov website, which is the federal marketplace, which is the one that's available in the vast majority of the states, 36 of the 50 states use that platform, I think, as we all know, did not work very well for the first month or so. And, um, you know, there were a lot of people who tried to sign up and couldn't or signed up and were told that they signed up, but it didn't get transmitted to the insurer they chose. The good news is that um, they really did smooth things out, and by the end of 2013, many of the kinks had been worked out. And starting really in 2014, an open enrollment ran to the end of March of 2014 last year. Uh, basically, um, uh, it really went pretty smoothly. And Overall, towards the end, it's sort of one of those, they stumbled at the beginning, but they definitely picked it up at the end. Uh, They signed up over 8 million people for um, health insurance through the the federal and state exchanges, which actually exceeded their original uh, projections, which was 7 million. So uh, in the end, I think, you know, they, um, even though it stumbled, Badly at the beginning, it ended up serving many of the people that they wanted. And and the other thing I would say, to me, that was really a sign of the pent-up demand for people who wanted health insurance and either couldn't get it because they had pre-existing conditions and were shut out of the individual market or couldn't afford it. 
because they worked and jobs didn't pay enough. So that to me was a, it really was pretty amazing despite all the issues that they still exceeded their original projections. Um, is there a projection for this coming enrollment period, John, as to anticipating how many people will sign up? Um, I think that they're ex anticipating that it'll basically double. The, the, that's the number that I've seen publicly. So there are approximately 32 million people who are eligible uh, for um, health insurance through the exchanges who are uninsured and eligible to get health insurance through the state and federal exchanges. And so right now basically a quarter of them have signed up, which is uh, approximately 8 million. I think they anticipate another approximately 8 million will sign up this year. And then I think the hope is that in 2016 you'll see an even bigger uh, bigger jump. Um, I think the one reason that you may see a bigger jump in 2016 is that that's the first year that the mandate that everybody have health insurance oh, really, yeah. I mean, it started It started in 2014, but in 2014 and 2015, the penalties are very low. In 2016, they go to $700 per year or 2.5% of your income. So they start to yeah. finally bite, and I think that's when they anticipate the the final, you know, probably if you get another 8 million, you'll have 16 of the 32. They anticipate the vast majority, probably another 10 to 15 will come in in 2016. Yes, yes. Um, and we hear, you know, you hear here and there in the newspapers and on television about the security of the system or lack of it. Um, it is this hype in many ways or just do you have a kind of a bird's eye view of what's going on there, John? Well, you know, I'm not close enough to really know for sure. I do know that they're saying they've said publicly that what was hacked was a test server as opposed to an actual live server. However, um I think as we've seen with what's happened at Target and Home Depot, which actually I'm having on a little sidebar, I'm actually having to change credit cards for the second time in nine months because I purchased things at both Target and Home Depot and were subject to those breaches. I mean, I think that they do do as well as they can. Um, these hackers are pretty determined, and that 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 can be a concern. You are, if you're really concerned about that, you can fill out a paper application. At some point, it's going to go into into an electronic system, but obviously there is some security or maybe some, I'm not sure if it's real, but real or imagined, but there may be some peace of mind in filling out a paper application as opposed to going online and, and filling uh -huh. out an application. Yeah, but, you know, and to keep it all into perspective, too, it's not just the healthcare exchanges, it's, you know, on this, this morning on uh, public radio, uh, that was the topic for the Diane Reem show was, you know, just the constant barrages of, of all kinds of websites and particularly for consumers who buy anything retail online. And so um, it's an issue that will continue, but it it's certainly uh, not just endemic for health care and the, and the Affordable Care Act. Yeah, and, and, and I, on my own, I mean, I know just sort of enough about all this IT security stuff to be dangerous, but you know what seems to happen, based on you know my sort of both my personal and professional experience, is that 
you develop security devices and they work for a while, but the hackers are always trying to break in. So you're always having to try and stay a step ahead of them. And I do think that, you know, healthcare.gov as well as the banks and the the uh, stores are doing their best to stay ahead of it. But you know, they are, you know, these folks are determined to get in. Some of it, it's just because they, you know, they, they get a thrill out of it. Others have more malicious intents. Yes, exactly. Well, uh, John, as we look forward, um, can you give us the time frame for for open enrollment for 2015? Uh, Like this last year, is it going to begin and end at different times or the same time? Uh, What types of insurance options will be available? Okay, so open enrollment... Open enrollment this year uh, begins a little bit differently than last year. So they moved the open enrollment period back to uh, November 15th this year, and it runs for three months. It goes from November 15th to February 15th. Um, You will start to hear, though, there's sort of what I would call sort of a pre-enrollment period, so you will start to see health plans and... um, you know, advertising the fact that they're on the exchange pretty, I would say, in the next week or two, that people will start really kind of start their information campaigns that the exchanges are going to open on November 15th, and we're participating, and they are allowed to tell what plan designs they are offering on the exchange prior to opening of open enrollment, but they are not allowed to share pricing information until November 15th. So you'll hear a lot about the plan designs. Um what is interesting is that the number of insurers that are participating on both the federal and state exchanges is increasing greatly. Uh, uh, in all honesty, the big national carriers, the Aetnas and the Uniteds, uh, who are really sort of the big, some of the biggest players in the, in, in the insurance industry, really sat last year out except for a few markets where they had very substantial market share. But this year they are they are offering products on most um, exchanges in most states. So that's a big difference. So that uh, means that there will be more options out there, more price competition, all of that. Uh, There are also some startups who who come into the market. So in the New York market, for example, there's a company called Oscar, and they um, are uh, a startup. Everything's electronic. Uh, they're really kind of aiming at sort of that uh, person who likes to do everything online. So we're just talking about security. If you're concerned about security, that may not be the plan for you. But it's interesting that they're a very kind of have a very different take on sort of health insurance in general. There's all this online help. They have online chat rooms. You can get uh, um, what they call an e-visit consultation where you can basically either via a mobile camera or via, you know, email or texting, have a consultation with a doctor. So there's, and they're not the only ones, they're probably the best known, but there are a couple of other companies that are doing that in other states. So it's interesting, there's starting to be a lot more competition and diversity in what's being offered out there. So I think it's going to be really interesting uh, what happens in this open enrollment. Absolutely. I was unaware that there was so much new competition, extended competition um, out there, and I'm assuming this will only grow. Um, 
beyond the big insurers. Yeah, it, it will. And what's really interesting is I'm kind of just old enough to remember the, I, you know, the switch from uh, sort of the old style major medical indemnity products to, uh, you know, HMOs and uh, preferred provider organizations and PPOs. And so I think, you know, whenever you have a disruptive event such as the Affordable Care Act, it brings new players into into the marketplace. So what's interesting is 20 to 25 years ago, uh, many of the insurers, the largest insurers today, either weren't around or were small players. So that that is something if you're kind of following this from a um, – I guess sort of a scientific or business standpoint is very interesting to watch, but it's definitely creating some competition as well as creating some innovation, which is good. I think we need that. Absolutely. The the smaller, newer players will keep the the big people, the big guys uh, in, in more in line, I would assume, and would uh, create a better environment for consumers. I, I completely agree, and you know, I mean, that's kind of the way it works. And um, yeah. so, and that, and that kind of, I mean, I think you kind of hit it on the nose. I think that one of the things that's starting to happen, and certainly what some of these newer players are aiming at, is more of a consumer experience, where the consumer really is much more involved and has more say in things and has more information, and that's that's all good. It is good. Um, let me go back to something you said earlier, just for clarification. You mentioned that the exchange, the uh, enrollment period will not open until November 15th, and yet there is a pre-enrollment period. Um, can people sign up during that period, or is that the, or is the pre-enrollment period uh, simply an informational um, thing that's going to happen over the next four weeks? It's really an informational thing, and so um, it's not actually what I would call an official pre-enrollment period, but most yeah. in most states, most health plans now have approval for their materials and their products, and so they're going to be out there kind of letting people know about them. Um, but, no, um, you cannot enroll until November 15th. So that is the first day that you are allowed to enroll and actually purchase. So it's really just more of an informational thing. And, you know, this happens with Medicare, you may have noticed, every year when right before the Medicare open enrollment, you, you'll start to see advertisements three to four weeks before it actually occurs. And it, it's going to be a very similar uh, experience. I see, yes. Well, you know, it comes to mind, of course, this is going to be better for the consumer. We've just said that. However... Uh, also, what comes to my mind is that because of the myriad of choices, there will be uh, more of an issue of, uh, you know, consumers needing to compare and contrast plans, uh, more, you know, there could be more confusion in all of this and and tougher to be an advocate for yourself. So, a couple of tips, John, on how people can navigate even more options out there for them? Um, well, that's a really good question, and it's true. You know, choice is good, but it can create confusion. So, I mean, there are a few things that I think people should always look for. So, um, you know, I think one thing is um, 
are you um because there's certainly different you, you pay for different things so a smaller uh network of doctors and hospitals will almost always translate to a lower price uh but are you willing to make that trade-off so i would say you know Network size versus price. Um, the other thing that people should always be looking at is what I call risk tolerance. So are you someone who's willing to trade off higher out-of-pocket costs, so maybe a higher deductible or higher co-pays for a lower premium? And then, you know, there are, sh- there are quality ratings on the um, – on both the federal and state exchanges. So you should be able to see what the quality ratings of the health plan are. Do they have good customer service? Uh, Are they, you know, known for paying their claims on time and properly? Uh, Do they uh, have high-quality doctors and hospitals in their network? All that stuff is available on the exchanges as you're shopping to gain that information. And so... Those are the types of things that I would look for when I was shopping for a health plan. Great. Those are three terrific criteria. And uh, what we'll do for you listeners, we will uh, summarize those at the end of the show. Those are great ways to think about this, three key pieces. Um, Once open enrollment closes, I think you mentioned February 15th, uh, it will close, under what circumstances can people still get individual insurance? Okay, so this is really important. If you um, don't purchase uh, your insurance between um, November 15th and February 15th, you will largely be locked out of the individual market until next year. Um, um, So if you already have a policy, you will get a renewal letter from whoever providing your insurance right now, and you'll have the option to renew or choose a new plan. Uh, but if you're purchasing for the first time, you need to do it within that time frame because once that open enrollment period closes, you, you can only get insurance if you have what's known as a qualifying event. Uh, and what a qualifying event is, for example, you lose your job or you change jobs or you move um, or you get married or you get divorced or you have a child. I mean, there's about 10 of them. Yeah. They're very yeah. specific. Unless you have one of those after February 15th, you are locked out of that of the individual insurance market until the following year. So this is a really important point. Don't don't procrastinate and think that you'll be able to get insurance anytime. It doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah, very helpful. Thank you. Great. Well, let's uh, let's revisit. Um, you mentioned uh, there were bright spots last year, and there were not-so-bright spots, and we heard that state-by-state state, there were certain states that were just going doing very well and others not. Um, what's going on with state exchanges? Uh, you mentioned there are 36 of the 50 states uh, using the federal platform, and then the others are out uh, doing their thing. Um, can you give us a quick synopsis of those other states and what's happening there? So overall, the experience last year was much better with the states that had chosen to build their own exchanges as opposed to states that did that went with the federal exchange. Um, and um, I mean, I think some of it is that 
the states were able to tailor those exchanges to um, to the specific needs of their states. So if you're a more rural state as opposed to a more urban state, those types of things. Uh, and the other thing is that just the technology worked. So that made a big difference. I think you'll see, I think because the federal government appears to have worked with a lot of the kinks, and I can tell you, that I know that the testing that's going on has been going relatively well, which it wasn't last year prior to the launch. So I, I think that you'll see less of a difference, but I think that there's some states that have really done an outstanding job of both building their exchanges as well as doing um, outreach. The, the three states that come to mind that have really done a, a really terrific job around this is Kentucky, which is sort of held up as the model around this. They, they got the most enrollment, has had the most success with it. And it's been a combination of the fact that they built a very good electronic exchange and also have done a very good job of education and outreach to people who might be uninsured. Uh, Colorado, which is a similar situation where they had done very well, and then New York. And those three states really were sort of held up as the sort of shining lights last year. And I think that I haven't heard anything that would lead me to believe anything's changed. I, I would say the, the big difference is the federal exchange will work, you know, should work pretty well this year. So that'll probably create some of less of the noise there. I think the mm -hmm. one difference is these state exchanges have done, we were talking about some of the um, search tools, you know, around, network versus price or uh, out-of-pocket cost versus price and quality information. My overall experience, having looked at both the state and the federal platform, is the state platforms that are, are be have better tools and more consumer-friendly tools around that. So I think that, that will continue to be true. Yeah. Do you think going forward that the states and the and the federal platform, do you think that there will be a certain amount of information exchange? You know, one like like a Kentucky, for example, um, helping to inform uh, others uh, so that we get really the best practice of all of these. The consumer is able to get the best practices, um, you know, delivered. Do you think that's going to think... happen? I do think it will. I think it's going to take a few more years. I mean, as, you know, with all the problems they had with federal exchange last year, I think their main focus this year was just making sure the technology worked correctly. And mm -hmm. that I think the next step will be to improve the experience for the user, the user experience. And so I do think that it will happen probably in 2016 and 2017. Uh, I just think that the you know there were so many problems last year that it it you know it really wasn't a focus from what I could tell of the federal government and frankly I think they made the right decision it was more important that the platform actually work this year and then they can get things improved over time and Great. and the other thing is this technology is changing pretty rapidly as is generally true with you know, web and mobile-based technology. So you know, they're going to have to update these platforms every year or every other year anyway. So I think as they start to do that, uh, there will be a lot more of this information sharing. Great, great. So what are some key resources and or websites that you suggest for our listeners? So um, obviously the best source the, the simplest place to go to find out 
whether or not the state you're in um, is on the federal or state exchange is actually healthcare.gov, um, and it actually works. And so if you – there's actually a drop-down menu on the front page. It'll ask you what state you live in. And if it is um, – if it's one of the 36 states that's on the federal marketplace, though it will take you to the next screen to start shopping for a plan. If you live in a state with a state exchange, it will actually automatically redirect you. So that's a very important one. Some of the others that are very good resources is the Kaiser Family Foundation. They have lots of really good information about how to choose a plan, uh, might you be eligible for Medicaid or subsidies or things like that, and that's kff.org. Um, okay. And um, that that's another terrific resource. Um, and um, there's another very good resource called Families USA, and it's FamiliesUSA.org. They also have very good resources and information. And I, I think those are some of the top um, resources I would I would take a look at. But um, really, if you're not sure which, whether or not the state you live in has its own exchange or not, just go to healthcare.gov and they will redirect you. And the redirects worked. I've actually used them. <laughs> Great. Oh, those are really terrific. And I'll remind our listeners as well, um, I think that this show with uh, John Mills today is a wonderful resource as well. And so just to remind all of you that we do have archives uh, at ecarediary.com and mycaregivingcoach.com. Uh, just click on the button that says radio shows on either website and you'll find us. Uh, the archive of this show will be up probably in at least a couple days. And so if you have friends, and you've listened to the show today, you have friends and family that you feel really need to hear this, then please reference us to them. And I did um, promise that we would do a summary of the three key things to think about that John gave us. Uh, the first one, I'll, I'll name it, and then John will give you just a couple of details in our remaining moments. Uh, the first was network size versus price. Yes, and so what you'll find is that um, the network, uh, that, that there's an inverse relationship between uh, uh, price and network. So the smaller the network, the, I guess it's a, it's a one-to-one relationship. Yeah. So the smaller the network, the lower the price. But you need to make yeah. sure that, uh, that network works for you because once you choose that network um, it, the, with these small networks, it's very hard to get to to go see doctors who are not in them. So be careful about that. But the, you know, if yes. you think you can live with that, you can get a very good price. And really, that uh, piece of advice, that criteria point, leads to the next one you mentioned, John, because you mentioned uh, the level of risk tolerance that a consumer might have versus a price. Correct. And so this is another one where uh, the more you're willing to pay out of pocket, the lower your monthly premiums would be. It, it's not dissimilar to buying car insurance. Uh, exactly. So, you know, if you're willing to do, um, if you're willing to uh, basically take a higher deductible or higher co-payments, you will have a lower price. And if you're relatively healthy, that may make a lot of sense for you. If you're sicker, it probably won't. But these are the types of decisions that you're going to need to make. Yes. 
And then your third point, which I think is terrific, is that there are quality ratings for all of these different types of options online. There, there, there are. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of information, a lot more information about quality and customer service than there used to be. And so I believe the way the Federal Exchange sets it up is as stars, like one through five. So obviously mm-hmm. anything with three or more stars would be good customer service, good to excellent customer service, good to excellent quality doctors, good to excellent access, et cetera. And these, again, are things that you should look at because, um, you know, sometimes you can get very good deals with uh, with um, insurers that actually have good service and good uh, quality and, and the price is pretty reasonable, but other times you get what you pay for, so you just need to do your research. Exactly, and some of the resources John mentioned a few moments ago, like the Kaiser Family Foundation and the U.S. Family, was it, usfamily.com? Familiesusa.com. Familiesusa.com. Probably great resources for that. Well, it is that we are at the end of our show. Um, This has been uh, detail-packed, and I thank you so much, John, for being our guest today. And to all of you listeners, and thank you all for listening, and have a great day. This is Marjorie Papst with John Mills wishing you a wonderful rest of your day. Goodbye. Thank you, Marjorie. Thank you. Bye-bye.